All right. Welcome to High Performance Mindset with Dr. Sindra Kampoff. Do you want to reach your full potential, live a life of passion, go after your dreams? Each week, we bring you strategies and interviews to help you ignite your mindset. Let's bring on Sindra. Welcome to the High Performance Mindset Podcast. This is your host, Sindra Kampoff, and today I'm grateful that you're here ready to listen to an interview with Dr. Michael Sachs. Michael and I share a love for running. And before I recorded the call, we were talking about my recent marathoning. We follow each other on Facebook. So he knew how I did in my last marathon, which is about a week and a few days ago. And he congratulated me on a three hours and five minute uh, PR. And he said, when are you going to do another one? I was like, well, Michael, I already signed up and, you know, I'm hoping just to get right under my PR, maybe a 303 or 304, just a few minutes faster. And he said, Sindra, why not try to run under a three-hour marathon? And, uh, man, I came up with excuses right there. I was like, Michael, man, that's just so so much faster. You know, instead of like a 6.58 per mile, that's like a 6.30-something per mile. I don't know. It seems a lot, a lot faster. And he said, Sindra, <laughs> he said, stop the excuses. And he said, you know, you'll never run under three hours with that kind of thinking. So I appreciated that he called me on the carpet, had me own my excuses. And Michael, I know you're listening to this, and I will see myself as a 259 marathoner. And so I share that story because we start this conversation talking about excuses. We talk quite a bit about excuses that people provide for not exercising, but I think that you're going to find our conversation can be applied to anything, any excuses that you provide. And so at the beginning of this conversation, we really talk about how to counter excuses and how we should really make exercise and physical activity a lifetime endeavor. And he says, you know, the number one reason that people say they don't exercise is because of time. But really, that has to do with people just not prioritizing it. And then he said, you know, you could multitask if needed. Maybe when you watch your favorite show, get on the treadmill, or when you're at your son or daughter soccer game, walk while you're watching the game. So he's a lot of useful advice along with what he calls his 2% solution. And then toward the middle of the interview, he shares other wisdom. He talks about a story of Dr. Seuss failing. He describes how success is a journey, not a destination, and how high performers carpe diem or seize the day. So I think you're going to love this interview with Dr. Michael Sachs. If you'd like to connect with him, you can reach him at msachs at temple.edu. And as always, I'd love to hear from you. You can send me an email at syndra at syndracampoff.com, or I'm always on Twitter where you can find me at mentally underscore strong. Without further ado, let's bring on Michael. Welcome to the High Performance Mindset Podcast. This is your host, Syndra Campoff, and today I'm excited to provide you an interview with Dr. Michael Sachs. So, uh, Dr. Sachs, it's great that you're here. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks very much for having me. Uh, tell us a little bit about your passion and tell us what you do right now. Uh, well, my passion is uh, for exercise and sports psychology and uh, as well as exercising on a regular basis. So when when asked to practice what one preaches, certainly. Uh, but, you know, I'm interested in a diverse set of areas within exercise and sports psychology, uh, primarily uh, adherence to physical activity. Uh, that's sort of the main part, both from a public health standpoint uh, as well as just, you know, as we get older or more chronologically gifted, as I like to say, 
sometimes it's a little bit easier to sort of get a little bit more sedentary, but, uh, you know, they're all the various sayings, you know, use it or lose it kind of thing. So, uh, but more of the passion is just the love for physical activity and exercise. And there's something beautiful about being able to go for a swim or run, uh, which is what I do at the moment. Uh, and just to enjoy, particularly being outside, the running part comes outside, the swimming in the pool, but, uh, you know, both of those are wonderful activities for me. But, you know, for other individuals, they may have, uh, you know, a variety of things that they do, but, you know, no matter what they do, as long as they're physically active on a regular basis, that's the important thing. Yeah, excellent, Michael. You know, I know you have an incredible background in running. You've done quite a bit of research on the psychology of running. Um, you and I connected, I think, over our love for running. I remember four years ago, we were running the 5K in Florida at the American Psychological Association yes, race. We teamed up for uh, either a championship or a second place or something like that. That was very cool. Yeah. Uh, I, I made that. I had an excellent strategy. I decided to choose the fastest. We had teams, a male and a female, so I made sure I chose the fastest uh, female runner out there. So <laughs> I, I have some smart, uh, smart approaches to these things. So. I love it. I love it. It was really fun to run that race with you. Um, so tell us just kind of how you got to where you are now. You're a professor at Temple, and just tell us about your background either in running um, and how you got there. Sure. Um, well, I started out as a, I was a psychology major in my undergraduate days at Union College in Schenectady, New York. Uh, and then went to Hollins College in Roanoke, Virginia to do a master's in general experimental psychology. And there I was wondering if there was some way to connect my love for psychology with my love for sport, both as a participant, as a fan, and so on. And I discovered at that point, this was 1973, that there was a small world of uh, then, a sports psychology out there. And I went to the uh, NASPA conference at Penn State in 1974 uh, and just meeting Brent Ushal, Dorothy Harris, and others there, I was just very inspired and decided that, you know, this is what I wanted to do for the rest of my life, and I've been fortunate to be able to, to do so. Uh, I would, ran intermittently in college, but when I got to my Ph.D. work in uh, Tallahassee, Florida, Florida State, uh, uh, I just found that running was, you know, the most efficient exercise. Uh, for me, it was the weather was perfect. It was a lot of fun. I also discovered you could actually, you know, do these things called uh, road races, 5Ks and 10Ks, and you could, you know, pay uh, 15, 20 bucks, and you'd actually get a T-shirt for doing so. I mean, that was really cool, and I thought, wonderful. So I started doing that quite extensively. Uh, you know, after a couple of hundred T-shirts, uh, the lure of T-shirts is less uh, these days. And there was a, uh, one of my master's students did a wonderful study on the psychology of T-shirts. We can talk about that sometime. Uh, if you'd like, but uh, uh, but it was just, you know, running just a pure activity. It was wonderful, and I've sort of, uh, you know, did that quite extensively then, and I've continued it to uh, <clears throat> to the present day. Um, so anyway, so after, uh, uh, after I got my PhD at Florida State, I taught up in Canada at the University of Quebec, Trois-Rivières, for three years, then decided Quebec wasn't the place I wanted to live for the rest of my life, moved to Baltimore for six years, got a master's in counseling site because I wanted some applied background. I still had a niche for getting back into academia. Well, I was fortunate to get a position here at Temple in 1989. And so I've been a you know, professor in, in the Department of Kinesiology here since then. And uh, so loving doing 
Uh, I mean, the thing I love most about being uh, an academician is uh, mentoring students. You know, you have bright young minds coming in and excited about stuff they're doing and being able to help them as they uh, do their work and move forward in uh, their careers. I can tell that you're passionate about that just by the way you interact with them. So pretty cool, Michael. Um, you know, one of the stories I'm not sure uh, I think I've ever told you besides before we, right when we, before we got on the air was um, how I got interested in the field was my mother got me um, a magazine subscription to Runner's World. And when I was in high school, and so the first thing that I would always do is I, you know, when the magazine would come, I would run out to the mailbox and I would open up the mind and body section. And uh, I remember you being quoted in there a lot. <laughs> and so I, I connect you to my interest in the field and just how I got in the field. So I just want to thank you for that. Oh, I appreciate that. Well, that's, that's very sweet, very uh, heartwarming. I mean, you never know when something you say or write will have an effect on somebody, but I mean, I certainly appreciate that you've done a great job, not only from an academic standpoint, but also an applied standpoint with the kind of work you're doing right now with these podcasts and so on. So it's very exciting to see uh, a young professionals such as yourself sort of do uh, the kinds of things you're doing and the future possibilities you have for yourself. That's nice of you, Michael. Um, so tell us about uh, you, the research that you're working on right now and the area that you're most passionate about. And um, I know you're really passionate about helping people kind of get over excuses and not have excuses to exercise and get out there and, and um, be physically active. So tell us what you're working on right now, Michael. Exactly. Well, the exciting part there, I mean, <clears throat> the good news, bad news from a public health standpoint is that only about 20% of the population exercises on a regular basis and about another 20% on an irregular basis. Uh, and so that leaves about 60% of the population that is generally sedentary. So that's obviously not good news. And and you can see the uh, sort of obesity epidemic that some people call it. Uh, you know, if you go to the mall or if you go to the beach and so on, you can see that people seem to have gotten overweight uh, more and more over the years. Uh, and if you really want to be depressed, you can take a look at the uh, CDC, the Center's for disease control has uh, some tables started in the early 1990s of the percentage of states that have populations that are obese, uh, over 20% and so on. And you can see very few states in the 1990s. Now you get to the 2000s, the 2010s and so on. And I think every, almost every state, if not every state, has at least 20% of the population which is obese. And there's some states that are up in the mid to high 30 percentile and so on. So it's pretty scary stuff. And so obviously uh, uh, one of the ways to look at it, though, is that although people have become more and more overweight, it may not be quite so much an obesity epidemic per se in the sense that maybe more of a sedentariness epidemic, that the issues that we're confronting are that both people's work, uh, um, work environments tend to be more sedentary but also their choice of recreational pursuits is a lot more sedentary between the computers and smartphones and uh, you know cable TV, et cetera. People are doing a lot less. So, uh, so people have a lot of excuses for not uh, participating in exercise or physical activity. And so the question is, how do you go about countering those excuses? And the standard ones, of course, are you know not enough time, uh, too tired, don't know what to do think I'm in shape already anyway. I've got kids. Uh, the weather is not good. I mean, uh, we've got a list of 
50 some odd excuses and and uh, my colleague Bruce Cohen from Massachusetts and I have a work we're uh, doing on something called excuse-size, which is sort of making, getting some exercise by making excuses for not exercising. But, um, but we have, you know, we have a couple hundred excuses that people have shared with us, although we have a top 50. But, you know, whatever the excuse is, there are strategies to dealing with the excuse. And so the question is, if you have somebody who is not participating in physical activity on a regular basis, how can you provide that those strategies in a form that's most effective for that individual to use? And some individuals will want to, you know, have a book available. Some will want to have, uh, you know, uh, a, uh, a smartphone app. Some will want to get a, a phone call, a text, uh, an email first thing in the morning to encourage them to exercise. <clears throat> you know, other people might want an exercise adherence coach to be able to call to talk it through and give them some advice, et cetera. It has to be something that's individually tailored at, at some level. Uh, I mean, from a broad perspective, there could be a, a book and a website where you can just go, but if the individual is making an excuse they don't have enough time, then they're not going to take the time to go to the website, et cetera. So we've got to figure out a way to, to tap into each person's uh, uh, motivation to participate in physical activity. Now, we understand that there's a small percentage of individuals who, no matter what, will not want to exercise or do any physical activity. And so they're, they're the folks we'll save for the, for the last. I don't know what the percentage is, 10, 20 percent, that's fine. But there's a good 30, 40 percent who would really like to exercise but just find themselves uh, trapped by all the excuses and the stuff going on and so on and can't quite pull it all together to be able to uh, – to get some physical activity. And those are the people we want to reach. And once we, you know, once we get the percentage of uh, exercise physical activity participants up to 60, 70, 80%, that's fine. Then we can double down on the, the 10 or 20% who are real hardcore sedentary folks. But at least let's get the, uh, uh, the folks who might like to, but can't quite get over the hump uh, to start participating. And so the question would be how one can best provide the strategies in the most effective way uh, to get people to counter the excuses that they're making and to get moving. Excellent, Michael. You know, one of the things that when I was just listening to you, I think one of the reasons people don't exercise or physically or physically active very often is because it's just hard. It's difficult. You know, and I, I think about times in my life where, um, like, for example, after I had my second son, it was really hard to get out there. It, and it didn't feel good. Sure. <laughs> and it, it was hard. It was just hard to walk. It was hard to run. Um, what advice would you have for those people who, you know, it, it is difficult. It takes a lot of effort and it takes a lot of grit and um, resiliency just to continue to do it even when it, it doesn't feel that great. Oh, absolutely. And, and I think the key starts out with uh, uh, intrinsic motivation, with passion to find an activity that you have enjoyed, still enjoy, that you love to do, and that there's really nothing that'll stop you from participating in it. Now, sure, you know, after you had your, you know, second son, okay, you maybe weren't going to go out for a 15-mile run right away, but to go out for, you know, walk around the block, uh, uh, a short run or something like that uh, certainly would be something I'm sure you were looking forward to doing, but you found it a bit challenging but but you know and i think the part of it is an educational process letting people know that 
sure, it takes time and you have to set appropriate goals and have you know, appropriate recommendations for progressing from a physical activity standpoint, uh, but to be patient and to let the process uh, unfold as you go. I mean, part of our goal is to have people look at physical activity as a, a lifetime endeavor that they're going to exercise for the rest of their lives. And if things don't go quite as you would like initially, or you need to take off an extra day or two, uh, you know, initially, that's perfectly fine because you're looking at something for the rest of your life, not that you have to run, you know, 30 miles this week kind of thing. So so everything in its place and moderation and a reasonable progression. Uh, but it then comes back to, again, the activity that you love to to do. For many of us, it's running, swimming, biking, but for a lot of other people, it could be playing tennis or doing yoga or a Zumba class or, uh, you know, uh, ice skating, uh, bowling, uh, Quidditch, uh, whatever it might be. People have a, a whole bunch of things, but just to find something you love to do from a physical activity standpoint and go for it. So the number one recommendation you'd have is to really look inside, look for your intrinsic motivation. What do you love and, and find the activity that you're going to enjoy? And Michael, what you're saying has real consequences because we know that people who exercise regularly um, live longer, have a better quality of life. They're less likely to get diseases um, and, you know, diseases that end our life like cancer and cardiovascular disease. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the, the research literature, the anecdotal literature are, are, you know, incontrovertible that, you know, exercise, physical activity have physical and, and mental health benefits. So uh, but I think, you know, you're absolutely correct. The bottom line is to find something you love to do and, you know, just go ahead and enjoy it. Uh, uh, you know, we tend to repeat or to do things that we like to do and and not to do things we don't like to do. So. So if you don't like to run, that's perfectly fine, but find something that you do like to do. Everybody has some physical activity that they, you know, enjoy, you know, uh, and sometimes you have to sort of sneak it in. So dancing is a wonderful physical activity. It's a great workout. You may not think of it as exercise, and for most people it's not, but it's a wonderful physical activity and find a significant other, somebody you want to go dancing with and have a great time and a, and a great workout if you will. But the idea is to find something you love to do that you'd like to spend some time doing and, and and go for it. Now, depending on the kind of thing you choose, I mean, dancing would be less likely to be something you can do in smaller sort of bites, but something like walking or, or running or so on. Uh, I mean, you can do things even for only 10 minutes. Uh, uh, I mean, the American College of Sports Medicine, the Centers for Disease Control recommend you know, 150 minutes of moderate or vigorous physical activity a week. And so let's say you do 30 minutes a day, five days a week, that's fine. But it doesn't have to be one 30-minute block. If you can get 10 minutes in the morning, 10 at lunchtime, 10 in the evening, uh, that's great. And, uh, uh, you know, the, there are some recommendations for uh, uh, folks to get a dog. And why would they recommend people get a dog? Because dogs need to be walked. And you go out and get a walk 10, 15, 20 minutes, that's good exercise. So, you know, whether you get a dog or not, uh, uh, you know, the basic idea is just to find a little bit of time uh, to go get some physical activity. Uh, some people like to do it on their own. So I, I'm, for example, more of a solitary uh, exerciser. I like to exercise in places where there are other people 
but I don't like to do it with other people because I like to do my workout rather than be, you know, engage in conversation, et cetera. But there are other people who will not exercise unless they have an exercise buddy or a friend or somebody. And that's perfectly fine. That's great. Uh, and that's uh, wonderful because it gets both of you being physically active and both of you get the benefits of being uh, getting in shape and so on. So, you know, whether you want to do it by yourself or with somebody else or with a group, with a team, it's fine. The important thing is just to get out there and uh, to coin a phrase, just do it. Maybe I should trademark that or something like that. <laughs> I love think it. You might be upset. But the basic idea is there. I mean, it's a wonderful phrase. And the idea is, uh, you know, just to get out there and, and be physically active or whatever you love to do. So, Michael, what about those people who say, you know, I just don't have time. I don't have time to exercise. I, you know, um, I got a really busy job. I'm so busy with my family. My kids are in all these sports. You know, what would you say to them? Uh, I would say that that's the number one excuse that people make. And, and we certainly respect that, uh, you know, people have very busy lives. And so they're the, the two main approaches that one would take. You know, one, I would want to talk with you about uh, prioritization. So, you know, what what's the priority that you give to your own physical and mental health? And, you know, if we're talking about 30 minutes a day, even broken up, um, if we look at your schedule and so on, um, can you really say that you don't have 30 minutes to provide? And for some individuals, they may say, yes, that's the case. So, so, you know, then, then we would go to the multitasking route. And even if you have a very busy schedule, the multitasking may be there. So, so if you got to spend time with the kids or want to spend time with the kids, whatever, great. Well, maybe you do something physically active within, or if you're going, you're taking your kid to soccer practice. Are you waiting at soccer practice? Well, what are you doing? Maybe you can uh, walk around the field, do some exercise while you're there. If you like to run, if you have a young kid, put a kid in a baby jogger and off you go. It's wonderful uh, for both of you. <clears throat> if you like to watch TV, uh, fine, that's a prioritization issue. But then while you're watching TV, maybe you're on a treadmill, on an exercise bicycle, doing calisthenics and stuff. I mean, there's a whole variety of multitasking options that may be appropriate, but it starts out with the prioritization piece that, um, uh, you know, again, I know people are, are very busy, but, you know, unless you, you're working two jobs and you've got, uh, you know, two hour commute and even there, you're probably doing a good bit of walking, et cetera. Um, you know, I, I would be optimistic that for 99% of the population, we can find some way to reprioritize their lives and to add a multitasking component where they can get physical activity that they can uh, sort of counter that excuse of not enough time with those kind of strategies. Yeah, so you can you find, need to find time, right, and prioritize your day. And I know, Michael, when I exercise in the morning, I am a lot more on task. I can get more done. I'm just more productive, and my mind is working a lot clearer. So the, one of the reasons, you know, the, that I tell myself is like, hey, if I go for a run this morning, I'm going to be, I'm going to get more work done. I'm not going to have as many times where I'm just really tired or, um, you know, fall off my productivity because the, the running helps me. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I call it sort of the 2% solution. If you figure out 30 minutes out of the, uh, you know, number of minutes in a, 
uh, in a day, and it might even be less than that. So you got uh, 24 hours times 60 minutes is uh, 1,440 minutes. And if you're going to give me 30 divided by 1440, uh, that's only a 2%. So I would ask, can you give me just 2% of your day? Is that worth it for your physical and mental health? You know, I hope you would agree that it would be. And particularly if we do it from a multitasking standpoint, uh, or some reprioritization, then, then you're in business. So again, 2% doesn't seem like a lot and it isn't. Uh, and I think it's certainly, uh, worth it. As you said, even, you can even figure out that giving yourself that 2%, that gift, if you will, will also allow you to be more productive, more productive during the day, a happier person, more pleasant, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So there are all the benefits that we know that will come by allowing yourself to, uh, to get a little bit of physical activity during the day. So it's 2% solution, we can call it. I like it. Really sticky. Well, I'm I'm motivated to get back out there today. So um, I appreciate you know, just just getting us on task. So, Michael, let's um, let's talk about yourself as a high performer for a little while. And uh, can you tell us a little bit about why you do what you do? Um, you know, we believe here at the high performance mindset that keeping your why front and center is really important, keeps you motivated, keeps you um, intrinsically fueled. So tell us why you do what you do. I think I do what I do uh, with the idea of, I guess, giving back, I think, or paying it forward, whatever kind of phrasing you'd like. I think I've been uh, fortunate in my life in terms of uh, my family uh, situation, both growing up as well as, uh, uh, you know, married, having a couple of kids and so on, two lovely daughters uh, that, you know, I've, I've been fortunate and, and so uh part of being fortunate and, and spending a little time on this planet is being uh, able to give back. And so for me, the best way to give back is, is through my academic work, but particularly the best part of that is to uh, is mentoring students who will also go out and pay it forward and give back and so on. So, uh, you know, if there's any way through the stuff I've written, and you were very sweet with what you said earlier about you know, runner's world and so on, you know, if that can be helpful to some people, uh, you know, that's great. But, you know, that's sort of my my passion from a broader sense, from a personal standpoint. Uh, I'm in 100% agreement with you. I mean, I don't function well unless I have my, you know, exercise on a regular basis. So, you know, I swim three days a week uh, for just under an hour and I run three days a week for about, you know, 40, 45 minutes a shot. Sometimes I'd like to go a little bit longer but, you know, I get enough physical activity to keep me sane at the moment. And uh, I have one child and uh, going to be a senior in college. So once he goes off to uh, to law school, then I might have a little bit more time, a little more flexibility. Then I might try to increase the exercise uh, a bit. Uh, look at my bucket list. Maybe I have a triathlon in the future. But, you know, we should all have goals no matter how, uh, uh, you know, old we get or how young we are or so on. Uh, and there's always something else to work uh, towards. As I like to say, uh, success is a journey, not a destination. So being successful in life, um, I think the most important thing in terms of being ses- successful is uh, uh, sort of giving back, uh, you know, helping, you know, other people. You know, we're sort of renting space on this planet, uh, uh, but if we're not here to help other people and to do do good, if you will, then we're taking rather than giving. 
and we need to be givers. Be givers. Excellent. Um, so, Michael, you know, one of the things uh, that I think is really important is to, um, you know, just for us to be happy and live our lives to the fullest is that we realize that there are going to be mistakes and maybe failures along the way. Can you tell us about a time um, that you failed and what you learned from it uh, some time in your career? Any story you'd like to tell us? Ah, uh, great question. Uh, well, certainly one of the initial failures, and I guess maybe that was uh, sort of meant to be when I was uh, uh, an undergrad, uh, uh, I was uh, uh, very passionate about uh, behavior modification. Uh, I applied to a bunch of uh, graduate programs and didn't get into any of them. And so decided, well, I still wanted to go on for graduate work. So uh, did uh, I went on for general experimental psychology at Holmes, as I mentioned, and it was there that I discovered sports psychology. So I'm not sure if I would have gone to one of the uh, you know behavior modification programs uh, that I would have discovered this path. So and I might have still been very ha you know happy and made a difference and so on. But you know I'm certainly fortunate that uh, you know this route has. Uh, uh, you know, worked out as it, as it has. So, um, that, that's probably the one that sort of sticks out, uh, every, you know, now and then, if you will. So. Yeah. And I, I like that example because it's, you know, you didn't get into where you wanted to, but the way I kind of think about it is everything in our past has been perfect. You know, it's led you to where you are today and you wouldn't have this long thriving career without that, um, without not getting into that college. Sure. I mean, there are bumps in the road. I mean, you know, you submit articles that don't get accepted or grants that don't get approved. And I mean, that's fine, but that's, that's how you learn. I mean, uh, you know, that, uh, I would say, you know, nobody's life is, you know, perfect, certainly. And, uh, the mistakes or so on are ones that, uh, I'd say you try to learn from or perseverance. I, you know, I love to tell a story in class about, uh, uh, you know, I ask them, you know, how many of you have heard of a guy named Theodore Geisel? And it's rare that anybody uh, has has heard of him. And I say, well, all of you have read stuff by him, but he goes by another name, Dr. Seuss. And, uh, you know, his first book, I think, which was Green Eggs and Ham, I think he had like 27 publishers rejected it until finally the 28th said yes, and then it was off to the races, and he's one of the most well-published and successful, uh, uh, you know, children's authors in, in history. Uh, but he didn't give up. Uh, uh, Edison supposedly had like a thousand uh, uh, incorrect formulations for what the light bulb would be like and finally developed it. I mean, you, uh, you learn from your mistakes and you keep... Uh, you know, plugging ahead, and that's how one becomes uh, successful. I like the example of Dr. Seuss. I didn't know that he was rejected 27 times. Yeah, so it gives you, yeah, 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 cool, it gives uh, you read that. really good reason to keep on going and, you know, realize that all your mistakes are part of your journey. Absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, Michael, which of the traits of the high performers, so which of the traits of the top 10 traits of high performers do you think that you exhibit the most? Uh, uh, that's a tough one. I suppose, uh, um, passion, perseverance, I suppose would be the, uh, the main ones. Uh, 
Uh, I mean, certainly one has to have passion as an underlying focus. And so number one, and you also have to have the perseverance that you're going to keep plugging along, you know, even if things don't quite uh, work out as you'd like. So I think those are, are the main ones. You know, the other one is sort of having a clear idea of what you uh, what you want. I mean, there's a process for goal setting that, you know, one one should go through. Uh, you know, start out with a decisional balance scale to decide what it is you want to do. And once you decide that this is the route you want to take, then, you know, what, uh, you know, what exactly are you trying to achieve and, and what are your long-term goals and what's the process you're going to take uh, to get there. But make being clear on what you uh, what's important to you, what's meaningful to you, what what are you passionate about, how are you going to make a difference, you know, all those, uh, you know, one needs to think about that, maybe talk with, you know, trusted uh, friends, family, and so on, and then you've got a, you know, a clear roadmap for where you'd like to go, and then, as they say, a journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step, you start taking those steps, and, uh, uh, you know, hopefully you'll live to be a hundred or more and you've got a lot of, uh, a lot of seconds, minutes, hours, days, weeks, months, and so on to do, uh, to do great things. And which of those traits would you say you're still working on, Michael? And the reason I ask that is because we're all a work in progress, right? We're nobody's perfect. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, the, the perseverance, I think it, it's easily, easy sometimes to get, uh, uh, distracted. Uh, uh, I mean, I love to read. I love movies and so on. And sometimes it's easy to say, ah, you know, just, uh, uh, you know, take off and, and do this or that and so on, as opposed to being focused on what needs to get done. So, uh, so the, the perseverance sometimes is a, uh, a little bit tougher when you just feel like, uh, not so much relaxing. I mean, I, uh, I have trouble just putting my feet up and just sitting there, but you know, doing something sort of productive, you know, reading or sending emails or stuff like that, you know, trying to keep focused on the task one, one needs to get done from a academic position, from a family focus and so on. Absolutely. And if you'd like to get that list, you can go to my website, um, drcindra.com, and you can just fill in your email there and it will send you directly via email. Um, so, Michael, let's go to the speed round. Is there a book or a resource that you'd recommend for the audience? Uh, probably, uh, well, aside from the one that you're writing that will come out fairly soon, uh, the one I usually uh, uh, suggest for folks who are sort of starting out and want to get uh, a little bit of background would be Terry Orlick's uh, In Pursuit of Excellence, uh, the fifth edition. I mean, that's an excellent one. Uh, and then Amy Balsell has one called Living in the Sweet Spot. Uh, those are the two I encourage people to start with if they want uh, uh, a more uh, uh, sort of trade paperback, uh, easy to read kind of understanding of uh, the kind of stuff we do in our in exercise and sports psychology. Those are both great recommendations. Um, and Michael, what's what's the best advice you've ever received? Uh, ooh, that's a tough one. Uh, best advice I've ever received. Uh, I think basically just the idea of find something you love to do and, and keep doing it. That, uh, uh, again, it's, uh, it, it's hard to go every day into doing a job or something like that, that you, uh, that you hate or that you don't like or so on. If you have the possibility of, uh, um, 
you know, doing what you love to do, then that's great. Uh, the other good advice is uh, uh, one that uh, if you don't ask, the answer is always no. So the idea of, of taking a chance, uh, trying something out, uh, you know, asking somebody, uh, you know, if they can, if you can have a chat with them, if they can give you some advice or so on, or if you want to go out with somebody, whatever it might be. But I can guarantee you, if you don't ask, the answer, you know, will be no. So, uh, um, you know, there are all sorts of wonderful quotes uh, about that, but the idea of taking a chance. And if you fail, that's fine. That's just another lesson along the way to eventual success. And is there a quote that you live by or that really stands out to you? And how would that apply to us? Uh, the one I always sign off my emails with is Carpe Diem, uh, which is seize the day. And, uh, you know, that's a wonderful, uh, you know, quote that I just find uh, very applicable. You know, you wake up in the morning and you have a choice for, uh, you know, how you will approach the day. And, you know, I like to try to focus on having a PMA, a positive mental attitude, or some people talk about an attitude of gratitude. But again, the idea to be thankful for what, uh, you know, I have in my life, what I've been able to achieve, you know, the friends and family and colleagues that I have. Uh, but then to say, okay, you know, today's another day to do some exciting things, uh, to go out and, you know, have fun and make a difference. And so I encourage everybody to just uh, carpe diem and go for it. Go for it. And what ad final advice do you have for those people who are listening who are working to master their mindset and, you know, reach their goals and their dreams and their greater potential? Uh, I think the final piece of advice would be certainly just to, uh, uh, you know, do some self-reflection to think about, you know, what is, what is it that, that makes you happy, that you're passionate about, and ideally or hopefully figure out a way to make that happen. Uh, put yourself in a, a situation where you can make that happen. And then, as we said, uh, carpe diem, seize the day, seize the moment, seize the week or whatever, but just uh, uh, go for it and uh, uh, you'll be successful. Uh, Michael, I love your wisdom and your insight today and uh, just your presence and passion in this interview. I want to thank you so much for your time. You know, there was so many things that I was writing down and that stood out to me as I was listening to you. The first thing you talked about is just helping us get exercise and getting out there more with our exercise and physical activity. You encourage us to find something that we love to do and to repeat it. And really the key is when we say, gosh, we don't have time that we, it's really about prioritization. And there are lots of ways that we can incorporate exercise and physical activity by multitasking. So I liked your recommendations there. Um, your 2% solution was smart and sticky, um, which just, you know, makes us realize that, gosh, can we just give 2% of our day and then we can have all the benefits uh, be happier, less disease, and, and live longer just by exercising more. Um, and I liked what you said about finding something that you love to do and just continuing to do it and seize the day. So, Michael, thank you so much for your time and your energy and your insight today. Thanks very much, Cindra. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to High Performance Mindset. If you like today's podcast, make a comment, share it with a friend, and join the conversation on Twitter at Mentally Underscore Strong. For more inspiration and to receive Syndra's free weekly videos, check out DrSyndra.com.